Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Scamfish presented by socialcatfish.com. On today's episode, we speak to a woman named Yvette. She reached out to us to verify her online lover, Charles. Charles and Yvette have been in an online relationship for four months. Is this the real deal or just another romance scammer? Let's find out. Real quick guys, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Your comment and like could help stop someone from being scammed. Let's get into it. My name is Yvette. I live in Alberta, Canada. Uh, I've been a registered nurse for 35 years. I have three adult children and three grandchildren. The last couple of years have been quite challenging for me. My ex-husband passed away from cancer exactly two years ago. My late husband was diagnosed with cancer about a year ago and passed away in January. I had a car accident in March. So to say that I've been under a lot of stress with counseling and a lot of family and friends support have been trying to pick up and, and move on in my life. I've discovered after being with my late husband for 20 years, I always thought I would be independent enough to be happy by myself. And even though I have a fur zoo that surrounds me, I really miss having personal contact and having a partner to share adventures with and to do things with and to talk with. I had joined a couple of, well, adult dating sites, one of them being Our Time. Charles had messaged me first. Right? I mean, he's a very attractive man and I'm quite familiar with internet dating, but this guy just looked too good. So I was kind of brushing him off. He sent me, you know, a hello, asked me what I did for a living. And I responded and said that I was a nurse. And he was kind of joking around and said he's always wanted his own personal nurse. He's in the military. That resonated with me. I had done about seven years off and on with Canadian Armed Forces Reserves. This was a group that I'm very comfortable with and I relate very well to. He was getting a little bit aggressive, so I was kind of pushing him off. I had already exchanged email addresses with him and he sent the first email and I just kind of responded pretty short answers. Then the next email he sent was almost pleading and he was, please Yvette, just talk to me. What's what's the problem? I he wanted to know about me, so I kind of gave him a, a brief autobiography. He responded, and I realized that the guy really wasn't that bad. He asked if we could move to Hangouts. He said that that was easier for him to communicate in. He indicated that he was on a covert mission in Iraq and could not use video conferencing there. He could only he could talk on Hangouts when his commander would allow him to use his laptop. Charles would send me messages. I knew there was a nine hour time difference. And so Charles would send me messages throughout the day. Hi, babe, how you doing? What are you up to? We developed this friendship very quickly. I had gone to West Edmonton Mall. Charles had contacted me on the phone and, and told me to stay by my cell. Uh, he had a surprise for me and he phoned me and I was quite surprised. And I can remember laughing because he had um, very much a, a U.S. accent, Florida accent. And he had told me that his home had been in Miami. I wasn't surprised by his voice. In fact, his voice actually matched his picture, which was really a surprise. And I said to him, so I guess you're not a Nigerian scam artist. And he laughed and laughed and said, no, no, of course not. He said, I just wanted to let you know that I really value our friendship. I really value our relationship. 
and I want to assure you that anything I say to you is the truth. And I don't want you to worry that I am going to hurt you in any way. I see this as being a really real relationship and, and that's how I feel about it. He was going to retire. He said that he had been over in Iraq for 16 months and he said, babe, I'm, I'm talking to the commander about this. He said, I'm not doing this. I've, I've given my life to these guys. I don't want to do this anymore. He came back oh, about a week or two later to say that the commander agreed with him that he should not have to go to Syria. It was a dangerous area to go into. He did not want to go. He wanted to come home to Canada to be with me. By this time, he was aware of my family. He'd seen pictures of my family. He always asked how my kids were doing. How's your daughter? You know, are the kids being good? Are the kids okay? And always very appeared to be very concerned and very caring about how my family was and how I was doing. When I first heard about Charles, I was excited for my mom that she had found somebody that she was excited about. I know that losing her husband uh, was very, very, very hard on all of us. I was happy to hear that she had something to make her happy, something that she was looking forward to. He said that the commander had identified that they would be hiring an armed escort to escort him from Iraq and they would be going through to Dubai. He said, I need your help to pay for this armed escort. The commander can't release the funds to that. My account is frozen. And I said, well, why would they freeze your personal account? Like, how do you get paid? And he said, they're always afraid because of the role that we're in, that we're going to be buying armaments or something here. So our accounts are frozen. That was part of my contract. He said, I have great retirement benefits. He said, you and I will want for nothing. I have money that's just sitting there waiting for me that I can't access. And he said, so I'm going to need your help, if you can, to pay for this escort. At that time, my youngest daughter is a single mom. When her dad died, he left her with a mortgage. And now she was paying rent in another community. So I was paying her rent. I was trying to buy her a bed. So my kids were getting a lot of my money. My son needed tires. I said, Charles, if, if I give you this money, I'm cleaning out my account. And he said, babe, I'm good for it. He said, I just need it. I want to come home to you. That's all I want. I just need the money. If you can just help me with this, you're not going to need anything again. You'll be fine. So I sent the first, I don't remember whether I sent it in two batches of 4,500 or how I did it, but I sent the first one over. Again, I get a message. I deal with uh, the TD Bank and I got this message, make sure this isn't a fraudulent account. I was really struggling the next day. And in fact, I was almost, I was sitting, I remember sitting in a parking lot, the store where I get my groceries sobbing because I knew I was cleaning up my account and just being so afraid of giving up this last bit of money for something that I really was not sure about. I said, well, I was trying to look into selling the house, what I could do to sell the house. And he said, oh God, no, babe, don't sell your house. No, 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 no. And he said, are you sending the rest of that money? I agreed. I lost the call with the bank in the meantime. And I'd been waiting on hold for 20 minutes to get through to them the first time. And I just gave up. And I went ahead and sent the rest of the money, sent him copies of the receipts like he had asked. The next day he phoned up and he said, sweetheart, we have a problem. And I said, what? And he said, well, you sent 9,000 Canadian. I said, well, that's what you asked for. He said, well, no. He said, actually, he said it was 9,000 American. So you're short about, about $1,400. And I said, Charles, I have nothing left. I do not have another penny that I can send you. I don't have anything else I can give you. Nothing. 
I'm sorry. And he said, it's okay. It's okay. I told the, my commander, I thought that that was going to be the problem and they're going to have to do some negotiating. I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. And he phoned me back later that afternoon and he said, it's okay, babe. He said, I talked to the commander. We know you've done everything you can. We're going to be good. Between issues with my kids, my parents, the stress that I've been under, I decided I had to get away. So Charles and I had been talking and I said, look, I'm going to go to Florida. I decided to go to Florida because Rick and I had been to Florida a number of times. It was an area I felt safe. I also thought that if Charles was going to be flying. He could either fly into Los Angeles or he could fly to Miami from Dubai. And then we could meet up in Orlando. And he said that was a great idea. He thought that was. And Orlando was an area because Rick and I had been there a number of times. If I was there by myself, I felt comfortable driving around. Charles was supposed to be leaving with this armed escort. And I was going to be in Orlando for 14 days. Never heard from him. He had given me a phone number. He'd phoned me in Orlando and uh, said, look, I've got my own cell phone. This is the number. You can call me. We'll be in contact the entire time that I'm I'm traveling. This is great. And I said, yeah, it is, because I thought without his commander's computer, how was I going to talk to him? What was going to happen? I tried phoning the cell once or twice, and I kept getting a message that it was a text-only cell. I'm in this resort in Orlando. I have no idea where Charles is. For about two days, and uh, all of a sudden, out of the blue in the middle of the night, my phone rings and it was Charles telling me that he had gotten into Dubai. The trip had gone fine. He was sorry he wasn't aware that the phone was text only, but a lot of the area they were traveling in had limited communication. You know, he was very apologetic about the fact that we hadn't talked and he would be heading over to Orlando. I had bought enough groceries for two of us and enough liquor for two of us. The day after that, he called me. He sounded absolutely panic-stricken. And I said, Charles, what's the matter? Like, what's, what's the problem? And he said, I've been detained. And I said, what do you mean you've been detained? What are you talking about? And he said, customs pulled me out. He said, I brought 94 kilograms of gold with me that were gifts for services that, that I had provided over the time I was there. I had wanted to leave it at the camp and the commander said he was worried it would be stolen. So he advised I should bring it with me. I have got this gold and they want documentation about the gold, where it originated, there are insurance papers that have to go with it. And he said, I don't I don't know how to do the paperwork. I, I can't do the paperwork. And he said, uh, the customs agents have just said, if you do the paperwork, you can go, but it's going to cost ninety-five dollars or $100,000. I said, Charles, I don't have ninety-five dollars to $100,000. Where do you expect me to get that money from? I said, the only way I would ever have access to that kind of money would be if I sold the house. I've got maybe that much equity in the house. So then he said to me that the commander had a friend over in the U.S. who would pay... 20000 off the top. That took the price down to $75,000. Could I come up with 75000 At that time, I, I owned a 2500 Dodge Ram. I had a uh, 86 Corvette convertible in the garage that hadn't been driven for 15 years. And I have a holiday trailer in addition to my house. A little Kia Rio car that has 342,000 kilometers on it. And he said, is there any chance you could try like selling the Corvette or selling the truck or, or selling the trailer? And the truck was costing me too much in gas anyway. I was putting 60 bucks in every time I drove over to mom and dad's place. And so, and then I became aware there was a transmission leak. So I did sell the truck and I, and I did sell the Corvette, but didn't get anywhere near the money that I thought I would for them. You know, he kept asking how things were going. And I said, well, my only other option short of selling the house is to try to get an equity line of credit or something. So I tried to do that. And I was able to arrange for 
for $30,000, nowhere near the 75,000. And I talked once about selling the house and moving into the trailer, parking the trailer at mom and dad's. Mom tells me that Charles asks about me and is worried about me. I'm going through something personal in my own life right now. Charles apparently is very concerned about some of the things I'm going through. So I certainly feel that at least to mom's perspective, he would like to be involved uh, in the rest of our life. However, I have given him the means to reach out to me himself because that is something that would help me feel better about him is having my own interaction with him. It's been tough because my daughter is going through a divorce and we'll be getting a fairly sizable settlement. And I'd asked her if I could borrow money from her. I told her about Charles and she was, mom, you're being scammed. And I said, sweetheart, I, I really believe in this guy. Like he's so sincere. He's concerned about you guys. He's concerned about me. He certainly is not a uh, Nigerian. He is certainly, um, he has a Florida accent. Despite everything that's been going on, there's still a part of me that strongly wants to believe him. So Jackie said, tell him to send a driver's license. So I told Charles this and he, and again, he said, babe, why, babe, why won't you believe me? And I said, honey, this is our chance. I have the chance to borrow money off of Jackie. If you want me to borrow this money and get you out of there, you have to cooperate. When mom told me that Charles was asking for money, I immediately asked her, are you crazy? Do you actually believe this? And then I said, mom, have you actually sent him money? And I was really scared because she seemed to be seriously considering it. And I was trying to tell her, you know, number one, the story is not adding up. If he is, if he is in armed forces, as he says he is, surely his command central or whomever, especially if it's the United States government, they probably have enough money to spring him from whatever situation he's landed himself in. He's almost to the point of being suicidal. He loves me. He just wants to come home to me. And uh, he's terrified of being locked up forever. Um, he said for this, he said they take things like this very seriously. I could be locked up for the next 12 years. And he said, I can't imagine that I went through all of this, that I've spent my whole life with the military and I'm going to die alone in a jail cell. Uh, when the girl I love is is sitting in Canada waiting for me, which just about rips my heart out. Rick always made me feel good, um, but Charles, Charles, I'd have to say Charles almost makes me feel like a princess. When he phones me, I can almost feel my heart beating through my chest. I honestly felt ill imagining her sending money to unknown places to unknown bank accounts to people that she's only talked to that she's never met we're not wealthy people you know we have money but we, we don't have money that we could be giving away you know to to never see again when i think of him being incarcerated and uh, if it was real if this whole thing is real i almost get nauseous just thinking about it it's unfortunately it's turned a bit acrimonious and Charles phoned the next day and he said, hey, how is, how's Jackie and the kids doing? And, and I told him that Ian had assaulted her. And Charles was so angry. He was on the phone and he said, what the hell's wrong with him? He said, you know, he said, I need to be there. I need to be helping Jackie. I need to show her that men aren't like that, that good men don't treat women that way. If he's a real, this is what I would want my future husband to the type of person I would want him to be. There are days where it is really hard for me to believe that he would not be real. If Charles 
and I had the opportunity to sit down. And it does turn out, or it did turn out, that he was not who he said he was. I would be livid with him. I would wonder what kind of person decides to wake up in the morning and take advantage of somebody who is in such a vulnerable place. I'm reaching out to social catfish to try to fill in the blanks that I haven't been able to fill in, to try to find out if Charles Landry is in fact uh, detained in Dubai, is in fact a, a member of the military there, and um, is in a bad situation he can't get himself out of, and if this man is real or if he's just uh, an extremely gifted, charming man who is has taken the opportunity to prey on people like myself who are are just lonely and looking for companionship. After receiving both of these video messages from Yvette and Jacqueline, our team immediately got to work. We scoured the internet looking for answers for Yvette. We started with our tools on our site, socialcatfish.com. We ran a reverse image search on the man in the photos, searched public records, and looked over all the documents Yvette provided. We knew we had to come with as much information as we could to bring a stop to this. Two days into the investigation, we received an email from Yvette. She was worried about Charles being in jail and was tempted to pull the equity out of her home to send the 75,000 to get Charles back home. We immediately hopped on a call with Yvette to stop her from sending the money. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Let's get back into it. First of all, I actually wanted to ask you how things are going with you and Charles. I was actually supposed to have sent him some money today. The original amount that he had wanted was 75000 What he has told me is that he had spoken with the customs agents or whoever it is that are detaining him, and they had agreed that if, if he would pay 30000 they would allow him to be released, to come here, and then he would okay. send them back the money, the remainder of the funds. And they seem to be in agreement with that. When you say that he needs money today, are you referring to the 30000 That's right, the 30000 You know what? If I had the money today, I would give it to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our advice to you is we highly encourage you not to send him any money. The thing with Bitcoin is, is once you submit and send that money, you it's untraceable. You're not able to get that money back. I That's lost 2000 today. You lost 2000 Today to a financial scam. Oh, no. Okay. okay. Yeah, it was supposed to be a loan company. And that was, was that something that was emailed to you or? Yeah. Got it. Yeah, it was, it was um, I told, was told I'd been approved for a loan. You know, obviously that happened to you today. That's something that happens to people on a daily basis. Someone's getting scammed every single day. We just highly encourage you to just kind of sit tight and wait and, um, just be patient while we continue to investigate and just figure out some of these answers because we want to help you out and, and provide as much information and detail as possible for you. Also, just refrain from sending any more money just in general. Um, you, It's very important to meet the person that you're giving the money to. And I recognize that this is all possibly a big fairy tale. But I'll mm -hmm. tell you, when I talk to him, it's sure hard not to believe that it that he isn't who he says he is. If you know what, if you talk to him, you would fall in love with him. He is he's such a passive guy. I mean, I'm chewing him out and he's going, Now, sweetie, just calm down. 
you know, and then it's kind of like, I feel like an idiot by the time I'm done the conversation because, right. so, yeah. yeah, he's so passive and he just doesn't get frazzled. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. like I'm hanging from the ceiling. And after speaking to Yvette, we knew we had to gather more information. We reached out to a lawyer in Dubai to get more information about being detained in Dubai. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. Let's get back into it. Radha, I'm so happy to meet you. You too. And uh, it's really good the, that a firm like yours exists. I was just speaking with your um, your guy there and he was saying that, you know, a lot of these are interventions and people are not quite convinced that they're being scammed. So I think it's really important work. Your website's called detainedindubai.org. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? So basically, our organization assists people who have been legitimately detained in Dubai and who are experiencing legal problems in the region. But because of the work that we've been doing over the past uh, 14 years now, a lot of these cases have got to the media and people know that it's a common issue for foreigners to be detained for kind of ridiculous reasons in the UAE. And that has created, unfortunately, a sub-market of a network, I believe, of fraudsters and scammers who are pretending that they've been detained in Dubai or are facing some other issue there. And then they're using that to convince other people to send them money for bail or for legal fees or a whole variety of different reasons. What is it? This guy's detained. He's in jail. He's at, He needs to get out. He needs to get out badly. I can usually assess it in the first email that they've sent to me. It looks like a scam. It's common. We're getting at least one or two of these every single week. So at that point, I will try to provide them with information. If I can see that it's a, a scam so instantly, I will just advise them 100% this is a scam. If there's room that potentially it's not, then I'll advise them on what they can do and how we can help to validate the authenticity of the request coming their way. But I always tell them never send any money until we've been able to 100% validate it. So if someone was legitimately detained in Dubai, how does the intervention or the, the help happen for people who are legitimately detained? I mean, if, if there are any suspicion or anything like that, I would be able to validate their um, arrest or their legal issue very quickly by seeking a copy of their passport, their case number, and then being able to match that up through my legal channels or via my contacts at their embassy. And most of these people claim to be American citizens, so it's quite easy to validate through the US um, uh, embassy there. But a lot of the time they say that they can't access their passport. It's been confiscated by the police. Well, see, a U.S. citizen doesn't always know what the embassy does either. Right. Most most people don't actually contact the embassy. They don't even think to contact the embassy. The first thing is uh, someone's, in, you know, someone's in trouble. I want to help them. That's the first thing. And they don't think about anything else. They want, you know, to save that person. And that's, you know, a nice re- reflection of humanity, really. I had no idea that people like you existed. I had no idea that somebody was on the side of helping, uh, educating, and, you know, centered in this. I think that uh, the the U.S. government should assist people to to crush this kind of information. They should have it on their website because that's going to come up really high in Google for people. Um, I hope that people will see the, the work that we've done and come to us and ask us to validate and do not send any money until they have. And we just have to be more fraud aware because unfortunately this really, it, it does exist. 
And those who have lost their money and are starting to come forward and talk about their experiences, as embarrassed as they might feel about that, I think it's really important that we put that aside and focus on, you, you shouldn't be embarrassed. Actually, the fraudsters should be embarrassed. And this, even since you contacted me, even today, I've had another gentleman come forward to intervene in a family member who's uh, being deceived. We've had two since you contacted me. And we're, we're talking about millions of dollars lost. So it's absolutely incredible. And it's so important to validate the information, to find out 100% before you take it any further. And even if that information might be sad or uh, disturbing, it's better to know than not to know. We were finally confident in all of the information we had found. We tracked Charles's IP address and felt we had an overwhelming amount of information about him. It was time to meet with Yvette for one last call to tell her what we found. Hi, Yvette. How are you? Okay, thanks. How are you? Good. How's your day going so far? You tell me. <laughs> you know what, Yvette? I truly appreciate your patience. I know that we had spoke earlier this week and we had asked you to just hang in there and um, hold on a little bit longer while we gather all the information. The team has been working tirelessly to get information for you and, and so I really appreciate you taking our advice and just holding off, um, refraining from sending the $75,000 um, and just letting us um, work hard for you. We also have Lenny on this chat. She would like to share some information with you. Okay, nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Well, I want to talk about some of the things we found, Yvette, and the first thing I think I want to talk about is the driver's license that you gave me. When you look at a driver's license, you see this handsome face, and that's kind of what you go on, right? But at, when you looked, you saw that something doesn't seem right, particularly the signature doesn't really match the name Charles Landry. It looks a little off from that. And what I found interesting was it also says motorcycle also. Mm -hmm. You don't need a motorcycle also to drive a motorcycle. You just need a driver's license. You sent me a couple of photos too. You sent me one with a beard mm -hmm. and then you sent me one without a beard. And I asked him about it. He said that was his best friend. So oh. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm not sure why he had sent that photo, but yeah. Um, we did find the man in the photo. His name is Jim Gelder. He is a, a model and he is a gay man. And the other photo, the clean shaven photo, is his husband. Okay. They are both models and they are both fitness enthusiasts. You're saying Charles is gay? Or you're saying or you're saying Charles is gay as well? I, I'm saying both of these men in the photos that you gave me are gay yep. men and they are okay partners. There's a picture of them together on their Instagram page. They are together. Okay. So it is not Charles Landry. One of the things that scammers do is they pick an Instagram page and that is where they get most of their photos. And I think you'll find when you go there that that's the case here. Okay. You sent a tracker link that we shared with you mm -hmm. and he clicked on it three times. Okay. And the location that we found was he is in Acura, Ghana. He is not anywhere that he has claimed to be. Okay. One of the things of that that we worked that we found very interesting was that you reached out to Rada in Dubai. 
Mm -hmm. She was very, very helpful. We reached out to her also. I found it very interesting that she specializes in this and Mm -hmm. she does it for legitimate people who are detained in Dubai. Right. Um, and we had concerns, she had concerns, and we both agree that this is a romance scam. So the documents that he sent about the detention and that were all fraudulent then? They are all fraudulent. Okay. I'm, I'm going to send you back to Brianne now. Okay. Thank you. Welcome. That was a lot. That was a lot to take in. How are you feeling? Oh, I, I'm ripped apart. Yeah. I know you've invested a lot of time and energy and emotion. Um, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. It's funny. My husband um, that just passed away, uh, I met him over the internet 23 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And we had, oh, he was living in Ontario. I was out here. We had a, a five-year friendship before he moved out here. And we had a wonderful 20 years together. And even then, you know, I was somewhat concerned. Um, you know, he was telling mm-hmm. me he was a stockbroker and the guy that's presented himself as Charles, like I was saying to my daughter, I said, there were so many similarities between Charles and Rick, you know, in terms of how we interacted. And um, um, and I had, I, I mean, I didn't trust Rick immediately either. I kind of put him over the the hot coals and and uh, mm-hmm. he turned out to be exactly yeah. who he was, said he was. So yeah, um, it's just gotten, I guess, a lot uglier out there. I just want to give you some insight on the breakdown of a scammer and um, just how they operate. Um, they're basically similar to a narcissist in a relationship. Um, they use your emotion as leverage for themselves in the relationship. They use it as a form of manipulation. They grab and tug at your heartstrings. They say certain things that sound believable and they just connect with you. And then this romance begins and you've given everything to them and you've trusted in them and it feels safe. So that's just something that they're trained and they're really, really good at. This sounds a bit brutal, but they view you as a business transaction. With the sole purpose, their number one goal is to figure out ways to obtain money from you. No one's excluded from getting scammed. I mean, you could be young, older, um, wealthy, um, low income. Anyone can get scammed at any time for any reason. Um, A lot of women I would say have the emotion side of a relationship and that's something that a scammer has used and abused in that sense. I'm still doing some grief counseling and I had a session with my therapist this morning and she she said she could see how happy I was when I talked about Charles and you know she she really was rooting for me that this was was not not something bad. I do want to reflect on one of the positives. I mean, you are able to walk away from this not giving that 75000 You know, you, were, you trusted in us to provide this information for you. And you, you know, that's a positive takeaway that you didn't end up giving him that money. I just really believe that you need to cut this person out of your life. 
it's they're a toxic person. It's a toxic relationship. Yvette, you're such a great person. I can already tell like you, you have a spirit that just lights up a room and you're a loving person and someone has come in and taken advantage of you. And I just feel like you shouldn't have to give anybody any money to be in a relationship with you. That should not be a defining factor in your relationship. And I just feel like you should take this time to heal and to grieve and to work on yourself and love yourself. Should you decide to get back out there in the future, um, it's totally up to you. And we do highly encourage you to report this. Um, every time someone reports something like this, it brings awareness to others and we can get ahead of it and hopefully one day stop romance scams. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Eva. Oh, yeah, no problem. Do you have any questions or? No, no. You've, you've answered everything that I needed to know. And I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you. You have a good weekend. You too. Thanks for watching another episode of Scamfish presented by socialcatfish.com. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. See you next time. Scams come in so many different forms. If you have been a victim of any of the scams below, please email us at sharemystory@socialcatfish.com. We'll get to the bottom of it with help from our Social Catfish team. By sharing your story with our YouTube audience, we can educate, spread awareness, and maybe someday we can put an end to these scams.